0: This is your host, Dale Josie, and welcome to the third season, episode three of Aging with Grace 55 Plus, designed for anyone who wants to enjoy the journey of a lifetime after age 55. This podcast series is made possible by AARP Kentucky, DPL Financial Partners, and Today's Transitions Magazine. For more information, visit todaystransitions.com to read articles that can help you navigate your own transitions. Past episodes of Aging with Grace 55 Plus can be enjoyed on my website, awg55.com, Apple, Google, Stitcher, or wherever you subscribe to podcasts. In this episode, founder Lamont Collins shares the success of Roots 101 African American History Museum, which has been named one of Architectural Digest's 2020 list of the top 20 museums worldwide. It was also one of USA Today's top 10 best new attractions of 2021 and was a recipient of the 2021 Ford Foundation grant. Our first guest, David Lau, founder and CEO of DPL Partners, DPL Financial Partners, returns to share his insights on a new year of investment opportunities for day-to-day investors or retirement planning. In full candor, his financial services firm is one of several sponsors of this podcast series. So, with a deep, heartfelt thank you to each one of my sponsors, including DPLFP.com, for making this series even possible, let's get after it. Meaning, welcome to Season 3, Episode 3 of Aging with Grace, 55+. With February being the uh, month of lovers, uh, with Valentine's Day and all that good stuff coming very quickly, I was reading an article in Psychology Today, which talked about the origins of kissing, and I thought it'd be kind of neat to share some of the overviews of this article from U.S. Today, from Psychology Today rather, about the origins of kissing, as follows. In early human societies, it's believed that humans replicated birds when weaning their babies. They would chew the food themselves before passing it to their children via lip-to-lip contact. Kissing is said to have originated from the act of pre-mastication, pre-mastication, there's a tongue twister for you, which was the process of transferring chewed-up food from the mouth of the mothers to the mouth of their babies. Yikes. But, but now, thank God, thank God, the <laughs> Oxford Dictionary defines, that's gross. So I'm grateful that Oxford Dictionary now defines a kiss as a verb. To touch someone with your lips as a sign of love, sexual desire, or when simply saying hello or goodbye. It seems historians really don't know that much about the early history of kissing. It first appeared in Eastern literature in 1500 BC, India. This doesn't mean that nobody kissed before this time. In fact, many believe that artists and writers may have considered kissing too private of an act, too personal to depict in art or literature. Matter of fact, in Egyptian hieroglyphics, hieroglyphics, the most we ever see are men and women depicted close to each other, but note there's little to no touching. In fact, we don't see any records of people kissing in the Western world until the Roman Empire. Citizens kissed their ruler's hands, but kissing also became a greeting for families and friends. Through the Middle Ages, sometimes conveying a kiss was simply an opportunity to lean in, to sniff, to determine hygiene. (laughs) Oh, okay. Pucker up, buddy. (laughs) You passed the sniff test. (laughs) <laughs> ah, let's look at cultural. Let's look at uh, kissing across cultures. Because you can see, matter of fact, romantic kissing is not the norm in most cultures. Some find it uncomfortable or even flat out repulsive, suggests evolutionary biologist and sex researcher Justin Garcia. Dr. Garcia's study looked at 168 cultures throughout the world to gain a better understanding of just where kissing does and doesn't occur. The findings showed that only 46%, less than 50% of all cultures, engage in any form of romantic kissing. This was defined as lip-to-lip contact that may or may not be prolonged. Romantic kissing was the most prevalent in the Middle Ages, Middle East, rather, North America, Europe, and Asia. Some cultures even have behaviors that we wouldn't recognize as kissing, but that are meant to show affection, such as patting each other's chests or nibbling, get this, nibbling at each other's eyelashes. <laughs> you know, nibbling at the eyelashes, maybe that gets some people's hearts vroom, vroom, vroom. I don't know, but... Anyway, it doesn't do anything for me. So, in conclusion, according to these scientists writing in psychology today, here's here's some of the highlights of kissing. Uh, Let's see. Here's one for you. Kissing boosts immunity. Passing saliva from mouth to mouth can boost your immune system, exposing it to different bacteria and strengthening the body's defenses. For every 10 seconds you spend kissing... You are sharing or passing along 80 million bacteria. That's right. 10 seconds, 80 million bacteria. So kissing also forms a similar mix of living bacteria in you and your partner's body, making you both better prepared against infections. (laughs) There's so many things I want to say here, but I got to keep going for the sake of time. Um, And so here we go. Here we go. Top three things. Top three things why, what kissing does for you. Number one, wish I had a drum roll. Number one, when, ki- when humans kiss, their brains release chemicals like oxytoxin, dopamine, and serotonin. These increased endorphins make the body feel good, aiding in feelings of attachment. Number two, kissing burns calories. D- uh, kissing burns calories. How... Does that happen? Well, gentle listeners, here's how it happens. It's not the same as jogging on a treadmill, but kissing is said to burn between two to six calories a minute. Two to six calories a minute. So three minutes. Let's see. You got about uh, six to 18 calories. Okay, that's getting a little bit too deep. But anyway, it burns calories. I don't know if I've ever kissed anybody for longer than a minute other than... Moving on, moving on. <laughs> Let me get back because this is a family show. Number three, kissing keeps your facial muscles strong. There's a reason to kiss because don't underestimate the workout kissing provides to your mouth and jaw. Concludes psychology today. It's said that, in, that kissing, improving the workout for your jaw and your mouth, improves circulation, keeping your cheeks tight, and even reducing wrinkles. So, pucker up on Valentine's Day. (laughs) You know, maybe you'll just share a kiss. Don't even think about this science behind it from psychology today. But maybe just do it with true affection. Or, in the words of the Crosby, Stills, and Nash 1970s classic, kiss because you want to love the one you're with. I'm pleased to uh, again welcome David Lau, CEO and founder of DPL Financial Partners, back to Aging with Grace. Um, those of you who heard our last interview, um, you, you hopefully got more of a sense of David's backstory, right? We talked about him growing up in, in Jersey City, New Jersey, and and how as a young man, he understood the value of hard work and enlisting others to follow him and achieving what he wanted to do at, at, as a teenager. Uh, cutting lawns and, and, and uh, whatever he could do to earn a buck, but motivating other teenagers, which we'll have to get into in a minute, uh, to also follow him. Uh, and, and so now we're going to welcome David Lyle back as founder and CEO of DPL Financial Partners. Um, David, welcome back to Aging with Grace 55 plus, And you have not been a stranger. You're now very comfortable with our audience. So welcome again, sir. Thanks, Dale. Great to be here. I want to ping off of something before we go into the uh, 23, because someone who may have missed our last episode, which can be heard on my website, awg55.com, or also enjoyed on Apple, Google, Stitcher, or wherever. Ever you listen to podcasts um yeah 14 year old running around uh, signing uh, uh contracts <laughs> getting to other teenagers uh motivated to work with them how'd that go buddy for you how long did that last
1: yeah it, it, it went okay for a while so you know we'd i'd get a bunch of friends i'd find you know lawns to cut uh driveways to shovel leaves to rake um and you know whatever whatever it might be cars to wash and uh You know, and then ultimately some of them kind of drop out. You know, you 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 try to you know cover more ground than you could you just doing it individually. But uh, it was a it was a good lesson in you know how to you know kind of build and scale a business at a you know at a very young age in a very small way. Um, But just understanding that you know if you're going to just rely upon yourself to do it all, there's you've only got so much capacity. So you've really got to. You know, f- surround yourself with good people to you know to help grow a grow a business.
0: That's a good point. There's only so much bandwidth that any of us have, and I encourage listeners to listen to your backstory on the last episode, uh, season three, episode. Two, uh, which was uh, absolutely delightful there is a carryover on that because we're going to talk about the market we're going to talk about the crystal ball but I really want people to continue to get a feeling for you David your warm personality and how delightful you are to talk to so here's something out of left field for you your yeah. first job your first job out of college was working with Soviet bloc defectors to get them resettled in the US that yes. sounds that sounds so 007-ish you know
1: yeah, yeah and it's it probably was a little more 007ish than i wanted it to be at the time <laughs> but i through some odd circumstances i got donated to this foundation that worked with the cia to resettle defectors after they'd kind of been debriefed wow. so re- resettling means helping them find somewhere to live find a job just get acclimated you know to life in the us so you got to meet some pretty interesting characters you know some ex kgb people ex you know You know, politicians, academics, uh, you know, military, uh, you know, pretty interesting, interesting job.
0: That's pretty cool. So now moving forward, you'll be David Lau, aka James Bond. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, Jack, Tom Clancy was on the board of directors there, so a lot of his Whoa. a lot of his stories with Jack Ryan, you know, were based off of the the defectors from you know that worked with the Jamestown Foundation. Oh my gosh, I love Tom Clancy, but I'm not going to follow that shiny penny because <laughs> we can talk all day about. I that. know so I've got great stories there.
0: We have a new year you know and uh there's there's got to be some things that are going on and I, I'd like for you to share some of your insights on several financial uh uh categories. First, let's talk about industry products and players. What do you see there looking into your crystal ball for 23?
1: Industry products and and players. I mean, there's there's been one of the things that you've seen a lot and heard a lot, everybody's heard a lot about, you know, is, you know, uh, crypto, you know, crypto, you know, Bitcoin oh and yes. and Ethereum and all these things, you know, as investments. And that's, you know, as was shown in, you know, last year in 2022, you know, very, very risky stuff uh, to get involved in. Um, so, you know, you have to be careful of some of those shiny new things sometimes. And you know, what you continue to see in financial services—that at least the good things I see—you know, coming out for consumers—is more, you know, low-cost products, more smarter investing tools. You know, that—that's some of the things you really need to be cognizant of. One of the things that will, if not the the most important thing, apart from investing early and investing consistently is you know keeping your costs low uh, mm-hmm. because you know your costs will eat away at your returns. And so low-cost products you know continue to come out, whether it's ETFs or indexed mutual funds, uh, things like that have been you know really shown to be much better for the consumer to help help accumulate uh, wealth while mm-hmm. you're investing.
0: Well, you know, it's interesting that you mentioned that Bitcoin, because I was going to go there with you, uh, because it seems like people want a quick buck, quick return, right? Yes. And so uh, on this one exchange, uh, FTX, apparently they've gotten these uh, folks like Tom Brady and and Steve Curry and others to endorse it. And then you lose $50 billion, 50 with a B. That's a lot of money to lose and i i mean to me is that part of the psychology of get rich quick or should we say if it's too good to be true the old axiom mm-hmm. it probably is
1: yeah that and they're totally tied together right so if you're if you're thinking about getting rich quick you know if if you've got some kind of opportunity like that thinking about bitcoin know that there's tremendous risk in it you, there's there aren't really ways to get rich quick without taking a lot of risk so if you're if you're investing in something like that, you've also, as was shown last year, have to be prepared to lose it all. Um, so, mm-hmm. you know, really, you know, really risky stuff. And if it, again, like you said, if it sounds too good to be true, it, it almost certainly is. I can, I can remember some years ago through some kind of introduction, I, I met a hedge fund manager who's telling me about his investment style and, you know, this, particular strategy he had, and he was making 96% returns year after wow. year. Wow, 96%. And, right. And I, and I thought immediately, who in the world is giving you their money? Because that there's got to be something fishy here, because nobody can do that. Nobody, when I was talking about index funds before, let me explain what that is really quick. And the, and the index fund just gives you kind of a broad a selection of, say, you know, the S&P 500, the, the largest companies in the country, and just gives you an equal balance to them. Because what, what, Studies have shown is that nobody can outperform the market, so you're just better off getting really low cost exposure to the market. So if anyone's pitching you that they're going to outperform the market, that that's just not true. Mm -hmm. You know, you know, somebody might be able to do it one year, and then next year they're not, and the year after that they're not, and so that's you know that's what studies have shown. So be wary of of anybody you know selling you something that sounds too good to be true.
0: Yeah that's just scary because we all have our fears and uh, you know one of the things for our listeners if you have not heard it because this was eye opening to me but uh you did a past show on a guaranteed income for life and having a legal background I was very wary wary about saying anything's guaranteed for life but when, when folks visit your website wp uh, wpfl uh, p. Dot, uh, I'm sorry, Dave. What's your website? Excuse me. DPLFP.com. Thank you. Thank you. I had you a go. tongue twister there. <laughs> but we all people... go through it. Thank you, sir. But but um, you know, when you visit the website for WPLFP.com, you'll see a number of tools on there which are very user-friendly, which do indeed guarantee income for life. I think I'd rather do that than buy $100,000 worth of Bitcoin.
1: Yeah, I mean those are really opposite ends of the spectrum. You know, the kind of products we're bringing out are backed by insurance carriers, you know, large national carriers um who have you know tremendous assets that they hold uh in order to provide the guarantees that they that they do. So it's really on the opposite end of <laughs> end of the spectrum. Yeah. We're, we're selling um you know certainty and we're selling security um which you know and and there's got to be a little bit of both. You know, you don't necessarily want to be at a Far out on the risk spectrum as Bitcoin, but you, you know when you're accumulating and getting towards retirement, you do you want to take a little risk to get you know have some market exposure to help grow, but you also need that you know that risk mitigation and you know the the safer asset classes. And one of the things that's really been happening over the last you know couple of decades. Is it used to be you bought stocks and bonds, right? And they were right. kind of yin and yang. One's That's up, right. the other's down, and they provide right. you know what's called ballast to your portfolio. Mm-hmm. That doesn't happen anymore. You know, if you look at again, twenty twenty two, it's what experts you know technically call a hot mess. Everything was down because everything's now correlated. You know, so it seems, meaning they move together rather than in opposite directions, mm-hmm. and. Because you have to think about the economy today. You know, today we live in a global economy. So you used to get diversification in your portfolio by investing internationally and domestically. Well, mm-hmm. international markets and domestic markets are tied together now. It's a global economy. Yeah. You know, stocks and bonds used to go in different directions. Uh, they don't anymore. They've you know they're all down majorly in 2022. Um, so where do you go to for safety in the portfolio these days? And really. I, I don't I don't think there's much left other than to go to you know protected products with insurance. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense.
0: That takes me to my next question. Uh in for for this year of uh FY23, uh what what are more trends that you see? I, I like the idea of the risk mitigation, uh, but are there other trends in the market that consumers need to be aware of from your perspective?
1: Yeah, or well, take advantage you, of. Well, you've I, I think one of the things is you know, we've we've come out of a, uh, you know, a 20 year period really where interest rates had been declining, declining, declining. Um, And so you were getting very little return on anything that was paying interest, you know, whether it's a CD or a money market account or a bond, anything like that. But now rates have gone, you know, started to go back up. They're still not near, you know, historical norms. Um, But you know looking at products that provide interest rates you know right now is a pretty good deal um you know so and i would recommend recently most people have been going shorter duration meaning by a 1 year CD because you don't want to lock in too long and you're not getting much more if you lock in for 3 years now we're seeing you know financial advisors you know and consumers going to 5 year and 7 year products because you can lock in a you know 5 6% return you know with those products so that seems to be a you know a really prudent thing to do at this point in time because interest rates are projected to probably start going down, mm-hmm. uh, you know, soon once inflation gets under control. Yeah. Uh, interest rates will probably go back down. So if you can lock in at today's rates, you know, and get paid that kind of yield for the next five to seven years, that that seems like a very safe and prudent thing to do.
0: Agreed, agreed. As we go to our close, um if and, and by the way, for our listeners, we're uh we hope you're enjoying my interview with David Lau as much as I am. He's a founder and CEO of DPL Financial Partners. More information can be found at DPLFP.com. Um, David, for, for a stay at home investor, for someone who wants to get into the market, uh, what are some of the best practices for investors to find hidden gems, if you will, or, or, uh, or, uh, uh, activities that they should pursue or, or invest in.
1: You mean in terms of, you know, researching or reading or. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think. I think the general, I mean, you know, Barron's Wall Street Journal always have topical things, but the, you know, if you want to think about investing, you know, the, the biggest thing to do is, is monitor costs and, and get low cost, you know, diversified, you know, investments so that you can, you know, spread your risk around and, and look at, you know, a, a bunch of different things, but keep the costs low. And if you're looking to insurance you know, products, you know, annuities, things that can provide guaranteed income or, or downside protection. Our website is a great resource for that. We've got a lot of articles, videos, uh, webinars, all kinds of things, you know, that, uh, you know, that are made available, you know, to people who visit our website, you know, that mm-hmm. is that, you know, dplfp.com. Uh, so good background, you know, easy to, easy to use, good resources for, you know, for individual investors, we've got stuff that we create, we've got academic stuff, you know, articles from, you know, from other sources as well.
0: I think for our listeners, uh, in visiting your website, something I found that I'm very technologically challenged, right? Uh, if, I, if my computer doesn't turn on, it's called tech, because I don't have a clue <laughs> what I'm doing, right? But uh, when I went to your website, I found it extremely intuitive. I found it very easy to navigate and i found the information presented in such straightforward language so i hope our vis- our, our anyone who visits your website understands that that's what they're going to see and that's what they're going to get
1: yeah we try to we try to take products that you know can have some you know level of complexity to them and make them you know really straightforward so you know we want to know what you're trying to accomplish and then we'll you know we'll give you information on what the best products you know are to do that so that's and rather than starting with the product and trying to figure out what the product does, we start with the outcome. What What are you looking to do? And then we can we can direct you to the right products. What an idea! The investor drives the boat, and not the
0: uh, not the uh, advisor driving the boat. I love. There you that. go. <laughs> Folks, I hope you've enjoyed my conversation as much as I have with David Lau. He's the founder and CEO of DPL Financial Partners, a privately held financial services firm that specializes in the development and distribution of low-cost, commission-free insurance and annuity products, as well as technology-driven product discovery tools and education for registered investment advisors and individual investors. David, thank you so much for your time. I look forward to uh, next time around. Excellent. Thanks, Dale. My next guest uh, has, has absolutely an intriguing story, and he is the man behind an amazing museum, which is called Roots 101 African-American Museum. And the museum has got uh, has generated lots of accolades. It's generated a lot of buzz. And so, without further delay, I thought it'd be a great idea for you to for me to introduce you to Lamont Collins, who's the founder and the CEO of Roots One Hundred and One African American Museum. Lamont, are you there?
2: I'm here, Dale. Blessed and happily, well, happily favored,
0: right? Happily favored, exactly right. <laughs> Welcome to this edition of uh, Aging with Grace Fifty Five Plus. And Lamont, when I was looking at uh, your website and just came across your story, you're doing an incredible thing. But let's talk about in the beginning. Because when you talk about uh, launching a museum, uh, which we're going to talk about in a minute, it's gotten a lot of accolades. Talk to us about the origins of this museum in terms of what made you, what compelled you, what drove you to create such an attractive um, site?
2: Well, I, I think what started, Dale, I've always loved history. And I always loved black history, even when people said it had no history. Uh, And when I was a little boy, all I could see is a black boy in a mirror. And I knew I didn't have a story about who I was looking at. I knew it was something to the history of who we were and what we were. So I just started collecting artwork from a very young age. Uh, When I I was a kid, about 10 years old, my father moved us to an all-white neighborhood. And I always say he dropped us behind enemy lines. (laughs) <laughs> and <they> said, <laughs> and uh, I tell my parents, and they said, what do you mean? I said, you guys dropped us here, 1969 or so, and you guys go to work every day. And we had to deal with whatever's going on in the community. And not that anything went wrong. It was the greatest, greatest thing that ever happened to me. But I learned to navigate different because if a little white kid came to me and said, hey, Lamont, uh, Sandy Koufax is the best pitcher in baseball, I would say... Bob Gibson's best pitcher. He threw mm-hmm. so fast, they lowered the band. They came yeah. to me, they're they coming to me, and they say, uh, let's say Jerry West was the best, best best basketball player. Oh, no. I say it was Bill Russell. he won five championships. So mm-hmm. I found a way to tell the Black story at a very, very young age, and it was so significant to tell that story because a little white kid would come back to me the next day and say, hey, Lamont, my dad said, Bill Russell's a pretty good ball player. So it was a way to talk about Black people to... Or, at an early age to talk about what we bring to the table too. And mm-hmm. I just did that and been doing it ever since. And then I had a museum in my home. I was always blessed enough to have a large home. So I had a lot of artifacts in my house. Kids would come over. Mm-hmm. neighbors would come over. And a lot, and it's a predominantly white neighborhood. And probably, yeah, one, I was probably one of two in the neighborhood, if not the yeah. one. But we'll do Bible study. And mm-hmm. a lot of the white friends of mine would come to my basement and they'll either either they were instilled by it, mm-hmm. engrossed by it,
0: mm-hmm.
2: or in fear of it.
0: Oh, that's good. That's so good. Gonna,
2: you know, so, what's going on here? Yeah. And so we were getting conversations about Black history, mm-hmm. and Black history is American history. So I'm right. teaching these guys, are corporate CEOs and all that, but never ever considered that Black people had a history other than being on Shirley Temple. Or being that we, that <laughs> well, we before, had
0: before <laughs> we get back, before we get too deep into that story, I'm just still uh, taken aback that at ten years old you were collecting yeah. Lamont. What were you collecting at ten years old?
2: Uh, I started with yeah. Well, I started with baseball cards and not baseball cards, but just autographs. We had the ABA here, the American Basketball Association, and my mother was uh, a manager at the Armed Force Examination Center, so I was doing the time of the draft or still draft. Uh, yeah, still was involved in the draft. So when Muhammad Ali came for the draft, he would have to get, you know, uh, he would have to go through the physical and all that. My mother would bring me the autographs. So I had I had Muhammad Ali classes, Clay, art, artist Gilmore, Dan Issel. So I start collecting, right? And then right. I loved, and I was always into sports, and then I started grabbing the newspaper. My grandfather worked at a harvester and would come in at like 1130 at night and want his newspaper. So sometimes he would come in and newspaper would be, because I didn't know at that time that newspapers came in sections. Right? Mm-hmm. So, right. So I would put his paper back in the wrong section, not knowing. <laughs> 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 so come. Who had my paper? And I, I wouldn't say nothing. The only thing I did in the paper was take pictures. But well, I didn't take pictures out of his paper to the next day. Yeah. But, I was looking, but I was looking for examples at the time. It might have mm-hmm. been. Whatever the athlete, Dallas Thornton, whoever in Kentucky at that time that were great ball players. So, uh, so my grandfather, that, that's, you know, that's how I got started,
0: man. When you talk about white allies, that really resonates with me. You know, when I look at the freedom bus riders in the old, in the old South back in the 40s right. and 50s, a lot of whites were on those buses with them. When I look at the uh, the freedom marches through Birmingham and through uh, and, and also uh, other cities, you always saw whites who were also mm-hmm. sympathetic to the cause. Mm-hmm. So, how is it that those whites then were sympathetic to the cause, but now it seems like their feelings have been cauterized? And it's like, we're not going to fear this anymore. We're not going to feel this anymore, but we're going to fear this. And that Correct. to me is, is dangerous. And that's why I think your museum, the Roots 101 African American Museum, is so critical, as is this interview.
2: Yeah, yeah. That's why I always say we teach the past, not we teach the future, and not the past. If we teach the future, we won't repeat the past. And that's what's so beautiful about America is, you know, at at Roots, I call it a healing space. And what I say is that we pull the wounds of America out and we treat the wounds together. And all the way we can move together is is to love each other. You know, we know for sure the dinner table is changing in America. It's no longer longer the Leave it a Beaver table. Willie's at the table. Julio's at the table. (laughs) Susan's at the table. The table looks different. Right. you start loving people at the table, you start loving people that look like the people at the
0: table. When you talk about the dinner table, I love that analogy. And one of the immersive exhibits that uh, visitors to Roots 101 African-American Museum can enjoy is Big Mama's House. And speaking of enjoying, I hope you folks are enjoying as much as I am our interview with Lamont Collins. He's the founder and CEO of Roots 101 African-American Museum. And he started this museum in 2019. And so uh, to, the, to this day, you can still get information and visit roots one, roots-101.org. <laughs> and so to bring me back to my question, Lamont, when visitors go to roots-101.org. One of your immersive exhibits, and you're talking about the dinner table's Big Mama's house.
2: Yeah. Well, Big Mama, uh, I've had Forge Magazine and other national magazines come in and talk about that room. You know, history did not tell the story of the Black family, but Big Mama did. Big Mama's house is where we went and got the affirmation who we were. She had pictures of the wall who graduated from an HBCU. She had pictures who served in the military, who helped buy the first home. Big Mama was our our affirmation that we could make it in this world. And Big Mama was the one that told us, I love you, even if the world did not love you. That came Mm. from Big Mama. Big Mm -hmm. Mama was you know, Big Daddy was around, but Big Mama was pouring Jesus Christ in us that, you know, if nothing else, you can you can live through prayer. If nothing else, God's got you and the world has forgotten you. Big Mama was so instrumental in the Black experience. People love this museum because it moves you in such a different way. Yeah. But when you go, when you go in that room, uh, I mean, people that's my age, 60, 50, they remember what Big Mama's house looked like. Mm-hmm. Whether in Chicago, Alabama. it didn't matter. This was Big Mama's house. Mm-hmm. And what I and what I tell my white guests is when I was in the coal business in the 90s, we would go to the Appalachian Mountains, and Big Mama's house in the Appalachian Mountain looked just like Big Mama's house in the urban community.
0: And as we go to our close, Lamont, not only do you have Big Mama's house, but you've also got the Faces of Africa, where you have a mm-hmm. group of sculptures created by the Kingdom of Benin, mm-hmm. um, which talked about the diversity of Western Africa. You also have We Fought for Our Freedom about the Civil War, and right. then you have the Great Equalizer, um, yeah. which is an incredible exhibit. And then finally, you have uh, not only the roots of African American music beginning of the twentieth century, but protest to progress. Oh wow! You no, know, that's that's a that that you're spanning uh, hundreds of years to over two hundred years from the Civil War, yeah. or now well over hundred years, certainly one hundred fifty years, <laughs> with uh, all, all the way up to the twenty twenty Black Lives Matter protests.
2: Correct. And the cool thing about the Black Lives Matter protest, not cool, but just factual, is that when I did that room, I called it Protest Progress because historically black people had to protest since we've been here. And, and historically, we fought in every major war in this country, even when we wasn't free. We don't only people that done that. But when I did that room, Brianna Taylor happened to be killed. And when Brianna Taylor was killed, people start gravitating. Young people would gravitate, gravitate to the museum. And it was young black kids and white kids still. That's why mm-hmm. I knew we were doing the right thing. And they would say, Miss Lamar, come out to the protest. So I would go to the protest. And it'd be just as many white kids as black kids in that street. And then I look in the newspaper and I got pictures of just black kids. Mm-hmm. There's only black kids repelled, which is totally untrue. White kids were out there fighting for a better city and, and for injustice right there. So they came to the museum and they said, and it was a teacher by the name of Matthew Kaufman, white teacher. They got teacher of the year and he used to protest with them. Matter of fact, he was locked up with them when they got protests. But anyway, the kids would come and say, What can I do for roots 101? And I said, Whatever you want to do. So before we went to the new museum, they made a casket there. And on mm. the casket, they put Emmett Till, Sandra Bland, all the people who knew the die in hand of policemen or, or racists. And they brought the me brought the casket to my museum and they said, here, Ms. Lamont, this is our contribution to Route 101. And I looked at them, Dale, and this is how deep it gets. And I've seen black and white kids out there working together. So they said, Mr. Lamont, what are you going to do with it? I put a mirror in it. Mm. So, when, oh. when kid, so when kids go in that room, they see themselves.
0: Oh, that's so what, good.
2: And, and who and what they want to be in this country. So it's a challenge to them that we can be better together and we can move forward together. And yes, a cast that represents, yes, uh, freedom ain't free. Right. right. Casuals is a freedom sometimes. And mm-hmm. casualties is an injustice history, history. tells us that. So the cool thing about that room is it's full circle and mm-hmm. kids get it and understand it. And the last That's room I got is the last room I got is called Black to the Future. And it's unapologetically black for black kids to come in and see that they belong in this country. Black, black, b-
0: wait a minute, wait a minute. Black, black to, the to the future. I love that. <laughs> black to
2: the future. They're, you know, black and black. we still here no matter what we went through. So in that room, you see Barack Obama, and then you see kids dressed up like lawyers and doctors achieving their goal. Just like Big Mama's house, the affirmation, but in Roots' house, I'll call it our house. When people come in here, I say Roots 101, they say our house. Roots 101, our house. Welcome to our house. So mm-hmm. when they're in that room and come out of that room, They see that they can be whatever they want to be. I ask kids bring bring pictures of dressed up like lawyers and doctors because I'm giving the affirmation in the History Museum that their world can come true.
0: That's so good. And Lamont, before I ask you about a special promotion that you have with uh, Kentucky AARP this month, we have to give a shout out to your sponsors, which uh, we have Ford, we have uh, LG&E, Kentucky Utilities, you got Brown Foreman and Jefferson County Public Schools. And what a kudos to them and to you for uh, supporting this incredible initiative that you're doing and making this possible. With that said, Lamont, uh, what's your promotion going on right now that we need to tell our listeners about?
2: Well, we have uh, uh, we have the White Allies that's running all week. I mean, going to run for the next six months. We do a, a Sancopa experience. We'll have singers that come and sing history while I narrate history.
0: For our listeners, I hope you've enjoyed this conversation as much as I have with Lamont Collins. He's the founder and CEO of Roots 101 African American Museum. More information can be found online and also you can plan your visit. You can see everything that we talked about, the different exhibits, including Big Mama's House, by visiting their website, Roots, that's R-O-O-T-S hyphen One Hundred One o r g lamont you've got a powerful story we're going to come back and visit again i look forward to that day
2: all right legacies matter and so do
0: you thank you so much for your time as we wrap up another edition of aging with grace 55 plus many thanks also to our guests david lau from dpl financial partners and lamont collins founder of roots 101 african-american museum truly trust you enjoy listening to our guests as much as I did interviewing both of them this series is sponsored by AARP Kentucky, Today's Transitions and DPL Financial Partners DPL Financial is committed to strengthening financial plans with powerful products delivering value for advisors and clients alike for more information visit DPLFP.com Drop me a line as I enjoy hearing from you. Please send it to dale, that's me, D-A-L-E, at awg55.com. Remember, aging is not a time of diminishment, but the application of lessons taught by some of our best teachers, including experience. And now, as always, for the last thought of the day from James Clear, author of the book, Atomic Habits. Clear writes, good habits make time your ally, bad habits make time your enemy. So until next time, this has been your host, Dale Josie of Aging with Grace, 55 plus.